When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug Maurice again, doing this Thursday interview thing. We've had some interesting people. We'll have more interesting people ahead before we get back to Gotta Watch the Tape for our Thursday pods in the Orange and Brown Talk feed. And so uh, I thought I want to talk about the Browns in an interesting way, and I want to talk to an interesting person about it. So we found Jordan Zerm out on the West Coast. You guys know him from his days covering the Browns, being in Cleveland, uh, always an interesting guy on social media. Jordan, thank you for taking time out of your day. And uh, before we get going, I know a lot of people listening know you, but let's refresh everybody, your experience uh, in Cleveland, your experience being around the Browns, and then updating the good folks on what you're doing with yourself now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's always fun um, when we can chat, especially about the Browns. Um, yeah, you know, I spent some time at um, ESPN Cleveland, so I was covering the Browns for them. Um, I did some freelance stuff for Bleacher Report and SB Nation and Up Rocks and, and places of uh, the like of those. So, you know, spent some time in the Cavs locker room and around the Browns and the Indians. So um, kind of got the full experience that way. I also sort of started in Cleveland at a, it was a sports and fitness magazine called Stack. Um, so kind of got my whole kind of sports media career started there, but then um, had an opportunity to come out to Los Angeles two years ago to help run um, an NFL-owned account called The Checkdown. Uh, so if you're not following The Checkdown, please do for this upcoming season. I have the, you know, it, it timed up nicely with the Browns like being good, so I can kind of push my Browns propaganda out here um, and post them as much as possible. So, um, so yeah, check us out. But yeah, that's where I've been the last two years. But always miss Cleveland. Got to come back last month for the first time in like nine months, obviously because of the pandemic. So uh, it was good to come home, see everybody. So Cleveland is always on the mind awesome are you gonna go to the browns chargers game in week five um i am i have it circled i'm hoping i can go the probably you know i work on sundays kind of like watching all of the football games so sometimes it can be hard but i'm hoping that i can uh, i can push and because i haven't been to sofi yet um and so i'm very it's two things i want to see that stadium and yeah browns chargers will actually be like a really fun game so um i would love to I'm almost, we talked about this a little bit with Mark Ross of the NFL Network, who was on last week. You know, I know everybody's hyped up for Chiefs Browns and, and rightly so, but I just think this could be a weird situation for the Browns, a tough thing like on the road against the team that lost in the Super Bowl. I think that week five game with the Chargers, first of all, the Browns need to get a lay of the land, like where the bathrooms are and stuff before they come back for the Super Bowl. So it's kind of like a dry run. It's a dress rehearsal <laughs> for everybody. So that's nice. But just like, Two youngish quarterbacks, Herbert's especially young, like really good rosters. I think like multiple good players, right? It's like Derwin James and John Johnson and Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett and the quarterbacks and running backs that you believe in. I just, I like that matchup. I, I would almost say I'm more geared up for week five Browns chargers, because I do think by the time you get to the fifth week of the season, that can be indicative a little bit. And are the Browns and the chargers, 
two of the four best teams in the AFC and they're both targeting, you know, trying to get a buy in the first round and stuff, or, you know, is one of those teams not as good as we think. So I don't know, Jordan, like I, you might get, you get vacation days. Just tell somebody else they got, I can't do my job today. This is the biggest game of the season. Week five. The biggest game of the year. No, I think you're right. And I don't know how many Browns fans have watched much of Justin Herbert because uh, he is out here on the West coast, but he is a, I think he's a special young talent, young quarterback. I think he's really good. And there's also the Cleveland connection with um, with their new coach and Staley. He's got the John Carroll background. And so, like, there's just, like, a lot of kind of cool connections there. So, um, no, I, I like that. I think that Chiefs game is going to be hard for the Browns. But by the time you get to week five and maybe you sort of kind of figure out, get, get into your rhythm of the season, like, that should be a really fun game uh, all around. All right. So this is what I specifically wanted to talk about. And I already used the word. And it is the H word. It is hype. And it is a word that at the moment is annoying me as applied to the Cleveland Browns. Because I don't know. And since you have a view of the whole NFL, you are a very good person to speak to this. Like when the when people talk about the Chiefs right now, I don't think they talk like, are the Chiefs too hyped up? Like, it's like the Chiefs are good. We don't know how good they're going to be, but they're going to be good. When people talk about the Packers, it's like, oh, the Packers too. I don't know. They have good players. They're going to be a good team. I don't know. Are, do people think, oh, the, are the Bills too hyped up? It's like, well, the Bills are good. They have a good young quarterback. I don't like the word hype because hype to me implies sizzle over substance. And when you say, are the Browns too hyped up? We don't know what they're going to do. But I don't think anybody anywhere is making an argument about whether they have a good roster or not. They have a good roster. I don't know how many games they're going to win. Am I too offended? Listen, you live in L.A. You're out at the clubs. You're hanging out with the bold and the beautiful. We know what you do, Zerm. Like, it's just, just, that's why you moved. Am I too offended by the word hype? And you know what? It's just a thing people say. Because what I'm looking at is a team that won 11 games last year, easily could have won more, won a playoff game, lost nobody that mattered and added a bunch. So I don't, I don't want to hear the word hype, but maybe I'm just cranky. Am I, you can tell me, you can tell me, am I just being cranky about this word? There may be a little bit of crankiness involved, but I do think that um, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. One, I, I agree with you. Like this roster is really good. I, the best Browns roster I personally have, have witnessed during my time on this earth. Like they, have all of the pieces here for a very, very special season. I think what happened is a couple things. I think like, I think 2019 still feels so recent that people are um, still sort of scarred by that because that to me, Doug was the first time where it was like, there's, there's hype and it's legitimate. There's been teams in the past for the Browns where you're like, Oh, well maybe this year, you know, they've got this and this player and like, and you're like, yeah, well maybe, but also they could still win five games. 2019, um, felt like like coming off of Baker's rookie season and then they added Odell and people were like, let's go. But I, and this is conversations we, we don't need to get back into again, but I think like there were obviously a lot of reasons why that team did not do well. Uh, one being just a complete disaster of a coaching staff and there was no structure in place. And it was just like the wild, wild west every from week to week. Um, that has been flipped on its head to the point now where like, I think you, we should have every reason to be confident in especially year two of Stefanski and and that whole regime. So I think like the 2019, and I think just for Browns fans in general, like until 
there is like a couple of years in a row where they meet quote whether it's hype or expectations or just what you think they should play up to from what you think their roster is. Um, like, I don't even think it's, it's hype. It's just like the Browns should be really good. And until they, they come out and like that chiefs game, whatever. But then after that, until they come out and they like come out there and they're playing really well. And you're like, okay, like, all right, cool. <laughs> they they're playing up to the level that I think they should be playing at given what this roster looks like, like that to me, I'll admit, like I even have those first couple of weeks, I'm going to be sitting there kind of like, okay, is this like, are they as good as I think they can be? Because they should be this good. I just think it's this, our collective psyche as Browns fans until there are multiple years of them kind of hitting the heights that we think they should hit and being just a normal football team, which last year they were like given incredible circumstances that were against them in terms of of COVID and Stefanski not being able to coach a playoff game, like all of that stuff. And they still were able to succeed like, I think until then, it, there's always going to be a little bit of that, like, well, you know, maybe it is just hype. It's the Browns. But I'm with you. I think hype is the wrong word, and I would get annoyed by it because there's no hype. Like, they're good. It's yeah. just like, here's what the expectation is. Now, can they play like that after what was kind of like a dream season for them last year? So I don't mean to disappoint you, but we are going to talk about 2019 a little bit because Great. I, you're right, right? That's why, because I think – And listen, I was singing songs about how good they were going to be in 2019, but I don't apologize for that because you should be confident in your team when they have good players. And I do think 2019 in a lot of ways was like the season from hell in in multiple ways. And it starts with a coaching staff that was not in sync, that a head coach who was probably out over his skis a little bit. But even I think a lot of that, Stuff got away from them, like the schedule at the beginning of the year went against them. They couldn't score in the red zone, which was like a murderous flaw. And you can't just say, well, you know, hey, you score a couple red zone touchdowns and oh, you would have won the Super Bowl. It's not that. But like they had like a thing they could not do. And if they could have scored in the red zone, they would have beaten the Rams. They got Russell Wilson at the end of a game. They go to New England and Nick Chubb, who never fumbles, fumbles twice. And then right when they are like on the precipice of like getting their season back in order, they beat the Steelers and Miles Garrett gets suspended for this last six games. And so like there is the point you made about this coaching staff is better. I mean, nobody in Cleveland is going to argue that, but so much, I feel like went against that team. And then by the end of the year, Odell and Jarvis and everybody, like guys were just out on Freddie, the team, they fell apart. They gave up the last three games. And that's why they wound up six and 10 when honestly, they're probably more like an eight and eight team if they wouldn't have just like tanked. So, but like the point is I don't want Browns fans to be scarred by that. Cause I don't think you were wrong to believe in your team going into that year. And I just don't, there's like nothing that's going to line up to have as many things go against you as went against them that year. And then also on top of that, this roster is better. The key players are older. They've lived through that. They learned from that. Plus, like that year, they didn't know who their tackles were. Now their tackles are freaking the the most, the highest paid right tackle in the game. And a guy was picked 10th in the draft. And like that year, they were start, they were trying to figure out if like Joel Batonio is going to be a tackle or not. I mean, like there were gaping holes at tackle, right? So I didn't, I mean, you're like, hey, this guy, I'm living my LA life. 
This guy from Cleveland called <laughs> yeah, me up. Yeah, we're very blue. chill out here. Like, this what's going on, you know? Screaming at me. Why is he? I agree with him. Why is he screaming at me? Jordan, I just, I just, because I yelled at people that year, like, don't be afraid to believe in your team. And then they went six and 10 and the coach got fired. But don't be afraid to believe in your team, but like doubling down, like to the nth power, because even though that, I do think that was real. There was real talent on that team. But Jordan, this is even more real, right? Like, is it not exponentially more real, starting with the offensive line, starting with the fact that Baker's in year four, not in year two? Like, there's just like a lot of stuff like that that, to me, absolutely leads you to more belief than 2019. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, I, like, this team, like, it it will be a massive disappointment to, I think, everybody if there's not a deep playoff run it's not something where you're like if they don't make the super bowl i'm gonna throw a fit because you know it's year to year making the super bowl is is incredibly hard but like to mention it in that sentence and not be laughed at is like a very real thing like they and i think you're i think you're right about 2019 and i think people do forget about how brutal that early schedule was and how a couple of small things did not go their way or there were bad play calls or like whatever it was, that red zone thing was infuriating. I think you just triggered a little bit of PTSD about that, uh, their red, their red zone offense in 2019, where they just like wouldn't throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. Um, and again, like mentioning like Odell too, you know, we've just spent this whole off season with people trying to ask the question of like, are the Browns better without him? And it's like, just another thing that happened last season that I've sort of talked about too, is like Odell went out when he, tore his ACL. He tore his ACL right before the Browns offense started to get going right before the Browns offense, like figured out what they were when Stefanski figured out what kind of mix of run pass he wanted to do. Like he went out not losing him regardless was bad, but he went out at the worst time because then he was sort of left behind when the offense sort of took off. And I just, I don't think people are appreciating enough just what his return to the offense will do for an offense that was all really, really, really good. Like he, he adds an element of speed and athleticism like that they just didn't have. Um, and they were still able to do incredible stuff offensively. Um, and I think that's a really big deal. That's, that's not going to be get talked about enough. Like the conversation around Odell is always like, is he washed up? Is he going to be able to return and be the same player and all this stuff? And it's just like, I think dropping him into this offense is going to be such a big deal. Um, and then, you look at obviously the, what they did on defense and the guys they like, sometimes you forget their draft picks like Newsom and JOK are going to be, should be huge contributors to this defense. Like stuff just gets lost. Like I think I tweeted that sometimes I forget the Browns signed to Debbie and Clowney. Like there's just, there's so much good there that this roster, it, it is very, very real. And I no longer now have the fear of like, well, do we have a coaching staff that is going to be able to kind of keep everybody together and keep, you know, when they hit adversity, like when they hit adversity in 2019, that's when it, you know, there was just no safety net for it. Um, right. Because I, like you, like you said with Freddie, I like the out over his skis term, like very much was that. So I think it's very real. Um, and yeah, no, I agree with you. Like fans should puff their chest out a little bit and they should be confident about what this season is going to be and like where this season could go because um, the Browns are really, really, I mean, they're really, really good. Like this is a really, really good roster. So you watch the whole league, you get a sense for the whole league, you know, Cleveland sports intimately. Is there something different with Cleveland fans, given what the last 20 years have been like, um, 
and that if there is any apprehension about being worried about getting too excited about their team, even when there's a lot of proof, right? You just go through the roster or does everybody do that? Right. I mean, like our, our Chargers fans going like, oh, man, like, don't say we're going to be good because I, I, you're going to jinx us or, or Bill's fans like, oh, it was last year like a one time thing and we're going to fall apart. Like are some of these teams, these up and I, I mean, I think the Chargers and Bills are the most applicable, like the, these up and coming teams who maybe don't have a, a long recent history of it, but sure as heck have a lot of good players. Do you think they're gun shy? Is that just fans? You're a little bit nervous or are is Cleveland maybe more gun shy? justifiably because what people, what Browns fans have been through for two decades. Yeah. Um, no, I do think there is a uniqueness to the Browns fans sort of gun shyness just because of, just because of the history. Like I, like I do think those teams like the, the chargers for years, it feels like get involved, lose these crazy close games and like their season goes in one direction when you think it's going somewhere else, but like their fan base is not what, the Browns fan base is. It just isn't. Um, and with the Bills, to me, it it feels like right now the Bills fans are as confident as I think I've ever seen them. And they love Josh Allen. Like, and they love Stefan Diggs. That's what from working last year, like they were obsessed with that duo and thought they could take down anybody. And like you could feel that confidence. And you know, you juxtapose that with like Baker Odell and how you know, it's obviously different because Odell went out and he hasn't had, I mean, the impact Stefan Diggs had on that Bill's offense was incredible, but like you just juxtapose that kind of with how the Browns look at Baker and Odell and how the Browns fans, yeah, kind of are are still cautious when it comes to having a good team and hearing like national media people talk about them and put their offense in a top five or their defense on a top five list. There is, I still think like a little bit of like, Hey, Hey, like, don't let other people know, like, don't, please right. don't make this public. You know, like I still very much feel that um, it's almost like, like it feels to me sometimes like the indie band that you like, or like the indie movie that you've watched a hundred times and then like, and you love it. And then suddenly it gets on a list somewhere. And then all these people are talking about it and you're like, Hey, don't know, like, don't do that. Stop telling people about this. Like, it feels a little bit like that with the Browns where we're so used to just people not caring and drama and, talking about stuff that doesn't matter. And now like you can turn on ESPN every day or like Mina Kimes is tweeting about the Browns every other day. And you're just like, what is happening? You know? So it's like, that's why I think Doug until like there's, until there's a couple years of this, it is very like, Whoa, like, I don't know if I like this. I'm not used. This is new. I'm not used to this love from like national people. And the other times that it's briefly happened, it's sort of very quickly backfired like the next year. So it, so it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of, um, there's some trauma, you know, there's some deep seated drama and it takes, you know, it takes time, it takes time therapy. You, you got to get through it. But I I'm with you. Like, I think if we can puff our chest out after what the Browns did to the Steelers and, and I think Browns fans rightfully did, then they should come into the season and doing the same thing. And I don't think there's any reason not to. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be right back talking more Browns with Jordan Zerb. Doug Maurice back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You guys want uh, about that time, right? Be a Browns insider. Get the all the up-to-date info from Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Ellis Williams, Scott Patsko, Terry Pluto. You get texts right in your phone. You get an exclusive newsletter, a little thing that's special for you guys each day. And then you get access to every single Brown story on our site. If you want to be a Browns insider, it's the season's going to be here any minute. 
Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Easy to remember. Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner, get signed up. Jordan, um, when you, I, I, I'm always, how do I say this? I, I'm, I don't care what the national media says, but I'm interested because perception matters. Perception matters, right? And they are a reflector of perception. Um, there are super smart people like Mina Kimes and Bill Barnwell and like a lot of really good people. Aaron Schatz, who's going to be on this podcast next week, like really smart people that I really respect what they say. They have a great grasp on the league. And then there are people who just talk about stuff, you know, like me. But I'm not national. I'm just some guy in my basement. But are the Browns? So you're out in the world now, again, on the club scene. When you're out of the clubs in L.A., are people talking? Are the beautiful people talking about the Browns? Like the thing that interests me is I am preparing and myself and attempting to prepare anybody else for like the Browns to lose to the Chiefs in week one and like first take to spend a week, the preview of week two being like the Browns are frauds because they lose because they lost to the best team in the league. Oh, they couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. It's like, does anyone stop Patrick Mahomes? Are the Browns like a good national topic? Because my perception is that what seems to be, and now I sound like a disgruntled Browns fan and I don't mean to be, but I think it's, I think we are reflecting what I think fans feel that I think is a lot true. What seems to be a good national topic is the Browns being expected to be good and then failing. And that that is good national talk. You're out in the world. What do you think? Yeah, no. So when I'm walking into these clubs and I'm getting to my VIP table, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. So it's hard to hear. So I kind of have to like, you know, lean down a little bit and say, can you please repeat yourself? Um, I think having like being out in, in the world, as you say, I, you know, Baker has always been polarizing, I think just as a person and a personality. And it's even more so now, like talking with colleagues and fans of other teams and stuff. Like, I, I think you're right in the sense that like, there are definitely people that if Baker falls flat on his face again, they're going to love it. Like yes. they're gonna, that will be a talking point for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, it's already been a talking point this season, even after he had a phenomenal second half of the 2020 season. So like Baker's personality for whatever reasons um, rub a lot of people that are not Browns fans and even some Browns fans, you might say, but yeah. like nationally a little bit, there is very much a sense of like, I don't like Baker and I want him to fail, which is, which is a, a weird thing. Like, I don't think his personality is that polarizing where it should be like that, but that's certainly what it is. And then the other thing is like, yeah, like we've mentioned the Odell thing, like people just love to talk about, whether Odell is going to be good or not. And some of the comments we get on stuff where we post Odell Beckham Jr., like we actually, to the check down, posted uh, a video of him. Jarvis Landry is is now like making vlogs on his YouTube page, but he posted that video of, um, they went to Camp, Camp Mayfield in Austin, Texas, and there's a video of Odell running a route and jumping and, and catching a pass, so I posted it. And like t- the comments are just a cesspool. It's just like, oh, he's not going to be jumping that high over the middle. He's going to get crushed. Like, that will never even happen. And you're just like, like there is, I mean, that's social media in general, but there's just no, like he attracts some of the most negative commentary that I think I've ever seen. Like people just want to hate on Odell Beckham Jr. So the Browns, and I don't even think by any fault of their own, but between Baker and between Odell and even Miles Garrett, when like there's still some people that think what he did with, you know, Rudolph was 
they're not going to get over that. And that really made them mad. And that was upsetting. So like, they have some players on the team where like, it's weird to me to think about it, but that like people just don't like, um, so they are absolutely like a national draw, but probably not for the reasons that like us Browns fans think not because like the fancy's got this great play action offense. And like, you know, like we have this two headed, like monster running back tandem, like, and I think like the, the offense they run is really forward thinking. And I can't wait to see like how Stefanski even builds on top of what he did offensively last year. Like, I don't think those are the reasons that a lot of fans are like tuning in the Browns games. I think it's more because there is this sort of polarizing side to some of their personalities, um, which is still something that I've has taken some getting used to when people talk about the Browns. And I like it. See, the reason I like podcasts is because, then I have smart people on and then they say, start talking about stuff. And then I start thinking about stuff and I think, how can I swipe that idea for a column? And so anyway, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm doing that with you, but listen, so here's what I'm going to swipe from you, Jordan. Yeah, no, go right the, ahead. The idea that the Browns, this sort of like team that like people almost pitied for the last 20 years. I mean, they just were absolutely the worst franchise in the NFL since they came back and it's really not close that they are possibly going to go from like everybody feels sorry for them. And like, they're going to skip past lovable underdog and go right to heel that it's going to be like, Hey, they're good. And we hate them. And nowhere <laughs> in there. Was it like good for Cleveland? Oh, they're fine. It's like, Oh, those guys. And I, I maybe Cleveland should be ready to embrace like the Browns as like the national villain of like Josh, hey Josh Allen, I'm just out here bailing hay and throwing touchdowns. What do I know? And like everybody loves Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to make fun of him. Everybody, that guy's awesome. Who doesn't love Patrick Mahomes? And here come those Browns. Oh, that Odell, he wears a watch while he plays. I don't like that guy. Baker tried <laughs> to plant a flag in artificial turf. He grabbed his private parts one time. I don't like that guy. Right? Like it's like well, Nick Chubb's nice. Nobody cares that Nick Chubb is nice. Like. maybe this will be a thing. And like, can you imagine if like for the next five years, Jordan, it's not just that the Browns are good. It's not like it's, it's and again, and I have actually written against this. I'm not a huge fan of Ohio against the world, but like we're setting it up. Is that what we're looking at here? Again, you're out in the world now. This could be a thing. No, honestly, it's a little bit of the sense I get is like, not that people don't like the Browns in general, but like specifically the Baker Maker, uh, Baker Mayfield thing, I get I get a lot. Like there are a handful of my colleagues that do not enjoy ba- uh, Baker Mayfield. And I'm just kind of like, I don't even like, I'll say something in a chat we're having about like how good he is or where I'd put him on a list. And they'll say something super disrespectful. I'll <laughs> be like, I feel like that's personal. Like, I don't even <laughs> think that's just based on merit. I think you just don't like him. Um, You know, they briefly, I think like Jim Rome branded them America's team, whether it was last year or the year before, but like outside of that. So maybe that was their little like sweetheart spot very briefly. Um, But yeah, I don't think they're going to have the, that exact same sort of thing. Like last year was obviously like this really great story. And then they just so thoroughly dominated that playoff game in ways that like, I don't think any of us could have ever imagined. And so that was like this great story. And like, I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to beat the Chiefs. And so it kind of just ended there. And you're like, okay, that was really fun. Like they got their first playoff win and God knows how long, like that was great. And then I think the only place you go from there is then people turn on your team a little bit. You have your, you have your one season of like, oh, that was a really nice story. And then the next year, especially when they come out and they're going to have everybody healthy and they're going to be, you know, 
favored in a lot of these games and favored to go back to the playoffs and do some things like that makes people root against you. Um, and I think Browns fans should absolutely embrace it because if you can, I think that's way more fun. Not that you need to like create some super villain in the Cleveland Browns, because I don't think it's going to be to that level, but like you should have some fun with it and have fun with a team that hopefully like both offensively and defensively is just going to like boat race some teams. Like I hope there's some boat racing going on and I hope we can like look at the offense when we can be like, Oh my God, <laughs> like there's like, this is an, an unstoppable offense with the, with the roster that they have. And we should have fun with that because like, we don't ever get to do that. And so yeah. like, you shouldn't care what people say about that because it's like, Hey, like we've been here for a long time and we don't get to enjoy stuff like this very often. And so we should enjoy it a little bit more uh, when it's actually happening to the team that you grew up rooting for. I like it because I think it's real. I like it because I think it's sustainable. It's not a one-year thing. They don't have to win the Super Bowl this year. They're going to yep. have multiple shots at this. I mean, a lot of times you don't win the Super Bowl the year that you're the best of yourselves. You win it the next year because something crazy happens or whatever. I do think it's possible this is the most talented this roster ever will be because they were at a point where they've added and they didn't lose. And at some point they're going to lose guys because they're not going to have them get too many good players and they're not gonna be able to pay everybody. So like, I do think it's possible. This is like the greatest talent Baker Mayfield will ever play with collectively in Cleveland, but that doesn't mean they have to win the Super Bowl because they're going to be good. And they have pillars that are going to stay. I do want to talk about Odell and kind of get your football opinion on this. He, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, he had 13, receiving touchdowns his second year with the Giants. He's had 13 receiving touchdowns combined his last three seasons, his last one in New York and his two here in Cleveland. He averaged 109 yards per game as a rookie with the Giants. With Cleveland, he averaged 65 and then 46. Like we just obviously have not come close to seeing the best of Odell Beckham. And, you know, he had three great years to start his career with the Giants. Then he started getting hurt. And the last four years in the NFL, he's still a relatively young man, have not been great. I think it's possible, at least, that like he could have it like his best year this year. That like, I don't I don't think his body is broken. I don't think he is not working hard anymore. I think he's had some bad luck. I think he got unhappy, I think, for probably decent reasons in New York. It's obviously been a little bumpy with the changes here. But, and I keep talking about this with people, I think a lot of the expectations, Jordan, are based on, you look at the roster and you think they have a lot of good players, but I think they still have players also who, who could be better than we expect. There is an upside to Odell Beckham that we have not seen in Cleveland yet. Is it possible that we see it? Like, do you think that's on the table that it's like, oh, what did Odell do this year? Oh, he had 1,400 yards and, and, and 11 touchdowns. And again, it's a, it's a Stefanski offense. They're going to run it. They're going to throw to the tight end. I know that. It also might not be entirely reflected in stats. He doesn't have to have 1,400 receiving yards to absolutely win games and burn defenses and be a dominant player. Could we see a dominant Odell Beckham Jr. this year? Um, I definitely think... You can, because I think you've seen flashes of it. Um, I think like if you go back to their first game against Cincinnati um, at home, um, when he ran that little double move, when Baker rolled out and threw him that long touchdown pass. And if you look at the, there's a replay that just focuses on the route that he runs. And I mean, it's no contest. Like that's what, whenever I watch Odell, I just think that I've never seen someone so fluid and so athletic 
like he just moves differently than other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this past week, actually, Jalen Ramsey actually named him as like the third. He named his top five hardest guys he's ever covered. And I think Odell was third. Um, like I think his, his reputation inside the NFL, I don't know if it matches what like, we think of, of him in Cleveland because it's been a struggle and because he's been hurt. He just hasn't gotten into rhythm yet. Um, but I think about you know, year one when they returned um, to the Meadowlands and Baker hit him on that little slant and he took it and just was gone. Like you've seen bits and pieces of like what Odell can still do. That Cowboys game is another prime example. And that's why it's such a bummer that he got hurt because it was like, I think Stefanski was figuring out how to use him and they just never really got to show it. And so that's why I think like, you're right. His Stefanski has this very equal opportunity offense that's probably not going to give Odell 20 targets a game um, because that's just not how it's going to go. But like, if you can get Odell loose a couple of times a game, that's honestly all you need because he's going to take the ball and he will do something. If you can get him in space or if you can get him on a deep route, if you can get him like 10 to 15 targets a game, but a couple of those targets are big plays. And I think that's sort of what was missing until that Cowboys game where he just completely took over because I think he still has that ability We'll see what he looks like after rehab, but like the way he was cutting and doing stuff after like six months after surgery is um, pretty hard to deny how still athletic he looks. So yeah, like I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to be getting the type of targets that's going to allow him to sort of do what he did in New York because it's just not that offense. But again, like if you can add in two or three of those huge plays kind of then combined with, you know, some first down catches or just some stuff that's going to move the chains, like I think that's all you need for him to open other stuff up. And I think you're going to see hopefully some explosive stuff for him as he goes through a full training camp, as they get a preseason and he, and then he gets another year with this playbook and be with Baker. Like I, it's hard to downplay how much those things are going to matter. Like I really think that stuff is going to matter for him. And I think if he can stay healthy, like this should be his best year as a Brown. I think you could see the effect a year ago. I think you could see it in the playoff game against the Chiefs where defenses were just getting compacted. They weren't worried about getting beat over the top by anybody on the field for the Browns. Good Odell, healthy Odell changes that. Just his presence on the field makes a defense respect that more. And then I do think there were times in the last couple of years since Odell got here where sometimes he'd win, he'd beat a corner off the line and Baker would be reluctant to take a shot with him. And that sometimes it's like, well, I think, like I think Odell was open and like if Baker just wouldn't let it rip. And that I think is the process of Baker getting comfortable in offenses. And I don't want to make a mistake. And I'm a young quarterback and Kevin Stefanski is not going to tolerate turnovers, but I'm sure that Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski are talking about good risks. And like when you're, we've got to, when Odell does something, you've got to give him a shot to make a play. And if every now and then you throw a pick on a ball like that, because the safety makes a great play, we'll live with that, but you've got to give Odell those opportunities. And I think you made a good point earlier. I think we're all thinking about give Baker a second year with Kevin Stefanski and what's going to happen. I think give Odell a second year with Kevin Stefanski and, and Stefanski a second with Odell. Okay. Now I know what this guy can do. Now I know the best way for us to use him and you can't force the ball to him, but I think they can do a better job of taking the opportunities that are there that I think sometimes in the past two years they didn't. And then if he runs a route where he beats a guy and you don't throw it to him, then he comes back to the huddle and now you do have to force him the ball. And now all of a sudden your offense is off kilter. Just give it to him the first time, and I think they'll figure out how to do that this season. 
Yeah, I think they will too. And I think then that hopefully becomes because there were obviously like Odell's a very demonstrative person. And I think we we've seen times where he got open and didn't get the ball and you can see him kind of drop his shoulders. And yeah, he's a big sort of, I think like body language guy and needs yep. to be in rhythm and all of that. And so I think if you can consistently start to get him the ball early, then even if you do, you know, he's open and you miss him, which is going to happen. Like that's just going to happen in the NFL then he's not going to kind of come back to the sideline and kind of let his energy go down and he can keep that energy up all game. So um, it was great to see him at Camp Mayfield. Like, I'm really glad he was there. I don't think I would have been a person to be like, oh, Odell's not at the camp. What does it mean? But it, like, it's just nice to see him like working out with the with the crew of offensive guys. And hopefully that sort of is the starting point. And then once we kind of get through the preseason into the regular season, like they can go from week one where he knows his routes. They know where they want to get him the ball. Whereas both 2019 and 2020, because it was different coaches and different schemes, like it just never fully got to the point where it clicked. And he deserves a point to get to the point where like he feels confident in the offense, too. So you wear your six jersey a lot out there in L.A.? You rep in the six or like how's that? How's that work? Um, you know, so I don't full disclosure, I don't have I don't currently have a Browns jersey, um, which, I, you know, jerseys are. Jerseys are hard. They're a hard investment. The only jersey I have right now is a Darius Garland Cavs jersey, if I'm being, if I'm being honest. Um, so, uh, but they know, but they know my, my fandom is, uh, is well okay. known, is okay. well known with it within the building. So, um, but uh, no, I, I, I almost bought a jersey when the new Brown jerseys came out and I was like, and then for whatever reason I didn't. And, but I, I probably need to, I need to rectify that at some point, I think. So I do want to ask you one question before we go, but we want everyone to follow the check down. And yes. if, if by how, if it so happens that the Browns beat the chiefs in week one and the entire check down account is nothing yeah. but Browns content. Yeah. We're not saying that won't be deserved, but you guys will know perhaps why, that's the case because yeah. I mean, you got to give the people what they want, Jordan. You got to give them what they want. You got to go overboard. There's some chiefs fans in the office. So I need to let them know that like, we're coming for you again. Like last year, you know, was there something Browns could have won that game, could have won that playoff game. Some things didn't go our way, uh, but we're back week one. So yeah, I will, um, I will let the check down speak, uh, speak for me uh, week one. If that happens. <sighs> All right, so I'm going to ask you a basketball question. So we had Fedor, yeah. on, Fedor on two weeks ago. And we just talked all about comparing the Cavs rebuild to the Browns rebuild. Mm -hmm. um, what do you want them to do with this third pick? Who do you hope they wind up with? And is, is the person you hope they get the same person you think they'll get? Um, I'll answer that last question first, because no, the person I think they get is not the person I hope they get. I am a huge Jalen Green fan. I have... Um, I've been on the Jalen Green train for a while. I just think he's a special, special player and fits a huge need for the Cavs, which is a wing, which is like if you can't get Cade, Jalen Green is not that big of a step down. Um, unfortunately, I think that no matter who takes Cade or Green one or two, I think they're going to go one, two. At least that's sort of how it feels. So I think the Cavs end up with Evan Mobley, which like I'm not upset about. I understand why there are some people that feel like Evan Mobley might be the best player out of this draft. I just, um, I think where the NBA is right now and what makes really good teams go is like, I think if you look at the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton has been phenomenal in these playoffs, but DeAndre Ayton gets a lot of his points 
because of Chris Paul in the pick and roll or because Devin Booker has made something happen on the wing. DeAndre Ayton doesn't really create his own shot. Um, now, I think Evan Mobley has a way higher ceiling than, than DeAndre Ayton. Like, I think he's a better shooter. I think, like, DeAndre Ayton isn't bringing the ball up the floor. Like, Evan Mobley can do some things that DeAndre Ayton can't. So I don't want to make that, like, a one-to-one comparison. But I think it's hard in the modern NBA to have the focal point of your team be a guy that, like, needs someone to get him the ball to create something. And um, that's why I just would prefer the Cavs to take one of these crazy talented wings because I just think that's you know like look at the Suns with Mikhail Bridges and Devin Booker and Cam Johnson like they just have these really good wings that make up such a big part of that team and while DeAndre Ayton has played great I think it's for reasons um, he needs some help in that area so I think the Cavs are going to end up with Evan Mobley I'm not going to be crazy upset about it there are people smarter than me that think he's going to be phenomenal and love him. And so that makes me feel okay about it, but I am, I'm going to be bummed if it goes Cade Jalen and then the Cavs are kind of left with, with Mobley, but I, but that sort of feels like the direction this is going. Last question. Do you plan to purchase a Kevin love team USA Jersey? (laughs) I will not, I will not be purchasing a love Jersey. It feels like a bad investment. Um, just in general, you know, even if I bought the USA jersey, so it's not Cavs related, I don't know. It feels like a weird time to buy a Kevin Love jersey, you know, so um, so I'm probably not going to do that. Now, listen, I wouldn't put it past me to add another Garland jersey to my collection, a USA Garland jersey. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if they're going to sell those because he I don't know if he's going to play on the actual team. But like I uh, as you can tell, people that follow me know I I am very high on Darius Garland. So um and I will buy his team USA jersey. Darius, if okay. you're listening, because I know that you are, and you want to send me one, I'm not that far from Vegas. Like, yeah. just shipping rates are low. I'm here. Let me know what you need. I, I'm, this is a football podcast, but now I have to make the headline of the podcast. It feels like a weird time to buy a Kevin Love jersey. <laughs> it's just, and then it's like, and also brown stock. Um, yeah. All right, Jordan Zerm. What's the uh, people can follow you on Twitter at Jordan Zerm. Is that right? They can. Um, I had a whole saga where I changed my handle and I lost my official blue check and now I'm just a peon. But, you know, I'm I'm out here just at Jordan Zerm. I'm just I'm my name now. I'm embracing it. Um, I'm not bitter at all. It is what it is. You don't have a blue check. I don't know if I can run this podcast. That's what I'm uh, saying. You know, see, I didn't even want to bring it up. It's on me. Yeah, it's um, it's tough. My life's really changed for the worst. Uh, since they took my they took my blue check away. So I um, kind of only look. I'm really I do blue check guests. I don't do yeah. random peons. So. No, if you if you sent me a DM and said, "Hey, sorry, the conversation didn't record," I'd be like, "No, nah, I get it. <laughs> I get that." Uh, all right. Well, Jordan, sounds like you have a great gig. Um, congrats on that. Good luck on the club in the club scene with in your Darius Garland jersey um, <laughs> in, in L.A. And uh, and yeah, we'll talk again down the line. And I hope uh, I hope you can get maybe get away for a couple hours to get to that Browns Chargers game week five. That'll be a good. One. I uh, I also hope that that'll be very fun. Doug, thanks for having me. This is always super fun to do. So I uh, appreciate you having me on as always. All right. And that's Jordan Zerm. I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks to you guys for listening. Go be a Browns insider for now. Thanks for listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.